Amen. Do you want me to read it now? Yes, please. Excellent. Okay, so uh, if you've got your Bible and you want to get that out or you've got an app or whatever, uh, Genesis 32, starting at verse 23, says this, After he had sent them across the stream, I'll get out of the way so you can see it on there, he sent over uh, all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. And for a moment, I thought that verse 29 finished with cheers, Bab, smiley face. But then I realized it's because you texted me. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, John. So I've got a bit of a confession to make. I'm not sure how many people know this, but I quite like to watch wrestling on the telly. And I know that's really bad, isn't it? And it's not because they're topless or anything like that. Um, and I don't condone it, like, fighting and people getting hurt. I don't, like, want you to go out and do it. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I just like to watch it. And around two years ago, 18 months ago, Stephen started to go to a fight club. And I know you don't talk about fight club, but I'm going to. And so he went to a fight club. And he started to, 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 to change, um, become a lot more confident. And he started to come home and say, oh, I've learnt this today. Now, can I show you my moves? I've learned this today. And then he, he'd get me to the ground in like 30 seconds, do you know what I mean? So, so he's kind of taught me a little bit, and I saw the change in him. And then what, after I've watched the wrestling, I've realised that um, a part of wrestling and, and fighting and the UFC is a lot of psychology behind it, and eye contact and the position. So I like, I like to watch the psychology. I'm not really interested in the blood and broken noses and things like that. It's where they're standing. So the man in the middle doing all this, yeah, he's the one in control because he's kind of saying, you're over there. I'm telling you where to go. You're coming to me. Um, And the eye contact and the dodging and all that. I love to watch it. It's so sad. And then then there was this this fight that I watched not long ago. Somebody called Elias. I'm not sure on his second name. But he said, he said, I've got to believe that the other guy is more nervous than me. And I've got to be more prepared than he is. And I've got to believe that I am more confident than he is. So it's not the physical fighting that I enjoy. It's the mindset that the people put themselves in before they fight. Uh, and there was recently a fight between Bello and Bellows and Hayes. Sorry, Bellew and Hayes. I do get them mixed up, so forgive me. But they were at like a pre-interview on the news. And, and they were sitting, like, you know, like they do, but there's somebody in between so the fight doesn't start too soon. And they're sitting down, and it was Hayes, I think, who was giving it all a bit of attitude. He was saying, I'm going to knock you to the floor. Get used to looking at the floor, because you're going to be on the floor in 60 seconds. Oh, there's no competition. Why are you even bothering? And then the other one, uh, Bellows, he, he was giving it a bit of some, but to be fair to him, he wasn't giving it as much back. And I was thinking, is he scared or has he got that advantage where he thinks, you know what, I don't need to give you any because I know I'm confident within myself that I'm going to win this fight. And he did, he won. And I was like, go for it. I didn't watch it because it was late at night. But, you know, 
I like to see the psychology. I love it. And so um, this, this scripture, Genesis 32, 23, Tom, if you'd just like to bring it up, please, um, is, is a different kind of fight, but it's got a lot of deep stuff in it that I would just love to unpick. Is that all right? Okay, so um, if we go to... So Jacob is an amazing guy, and he's really complex. And if there's anybody that I can sort of relate to in the Bible, I think it's Jacob, because he went through such a lot. And in this struggle, he achieved so much. Um, the name Jacob is he, derived from the name because when he came out, he was a twin, and Esau came out first, and Jacob was holding on to Esau's heel, um, and that shows the struggle. And God said uh, in another verse um, that, that Rebecca, the mom, felt the struggle inside her before they were even born. Um, so that's the name. Jacob kind of wanted to be first, and he always wanted to be first. And he, he looked at his brother. Esau came out um, with a robe of, like, hair. He came out really hairy. And it, it wasn't because he was premature, because that sometimes does happen. He just came out really hairy and red. So he was named Esau, and then Jacob came out holding onto his heel. So, yeah, Jacob was always striving to be like Esau. And I'd imagine that gets quite wearing after a while. And also, I don't think you'd be very confident if you're always striving to be, uh, you know, somebody else. And so if we look at the first one, which kind of hit me, well, literally, was Jacob, uh, if we go to verse 25, um, it says here, um, when the man saw that he could not overpower him. Now, there's a lot of like, theories on who this man was. Uh, uh, when you Google, uh, as I do in my spare time, Google Jacob fighting, uh, it comes up with angels, it comes up with God. Some people think it was a kind of pre-Jesus, but we're just going to say it's God because it is of God. Um, so when the man saw that he couldn't overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And I was thinking to myself, I think a lot in the car, I travel a lot to do with work, and I was thinking, God could have done anything. He could have given him a head injury. He could have broke his arm so he couldn't fight. But he chose to take his hip out, and I was thinking, why, why, why the hip? Come on, God, why the hip? And, and if you read beforehand, Jacob has, has run a lot. He's run away a lot. And he was running from his brother Esau because uh, he took a blessing from his brother, and we'll go back to that in a minute. So he was always on the run. But when I say always on the run, I don't mean always physically. Sometimes it was... It was his confidence he was running from. It was his self. He's always been kind of avoiding himself because he'd, be, he'd been looking left and right at what other people had been doing, what his brother was doing. His brother was skilled as a hunter, and he went out to get game to kill, and then he gave it to Jacob to cook. So he went out to hunt. He was big, masculine probably, hairy, and then... Jacob cooked it. So if you think today, if they were going to go on a program, uh, Esau would be on Bear Grylls, which is quite macho, and yes. And then um, Jacob would be on British Bake Off, you know. And, and I know, like, which one looks the kind of most attractive. But anyway, so I was thinking, God 
took his hip out of his socket because he didn't want him to run anymore. He wanted him to stay still and he wanted him to fight. He wanted him to fight him, but it was a different kind of fight because he wanted a blessing. He'd earned this blessing. Um, he'd been with his uncle Laban. After he went on the run, he'd been working for his uncle Laban for free for, to marry Laban's daughters, Leah uh, and Rachel, and he'd worked hard and he'd, he'd worked the land with goats and sheep and things like that. And basically, God said, you've run enough, but you've run enough from yourself, and it's time for you to meet me and yourself and who you are and who I'm calling you to be. So, so I reckon that was why God took his hip out and not his arm or something like that. And then if we go on to 26, um, verse 26. The man said, let me go for it is daybreak. Now, this is a long fight. This is not like the one you see on telly, uh, you know, and they get in a certain position and they tap out. That amazes me, that tapping out business. This is not like that. They have fought all night. But in a sense, it's Jacob. He will not let him go until you bless me. He wanted that blessing. He'd found out who he was. He was really exhausted, but there was no way he was going to let God go. He was going to get this blessing. But then the interesting one is, this is a bit bizarre, but we'll explain. In verse 27, he says, the man asked him, what is your name? I'm like, you've been fighting all night, all night, daybreak's coming, and then we decide to do a bit of introductions. <laughs> this, 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 this got to me, I was thinking, introductions after all night of fighting. Bear in mind, they haven't had any conversation that we're aware of up until this point. And sometimes, you know, I think, when, when we're really struggling, and, and we're praying, and we're not getting an answer back from God, and, and we think God's silent, it's usually because that answer's within ourselves, and we've just got to delve deep enough into that Christ-like confidence to find it. So he's having a struggle in the silence. That takes guts. It takes time. So he said, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. So God knew who he was. There's no doubt about it. He knew his name. But what he wanted, he wanted Jacob to say who he was. He wanted him to believe in his own name. And the reason for that is, if we go to Genesis 27, um, Jacob has an episode where he disguises himself as his brother Esau to get a blessing. And if we look at it, he, what happens is, is Rebecca, the mom, um, she, it says in the Bible a few verses before, chapters before, that Rebecca favoured Jacob and Isaac, his dad, favoured Esau. So Rebecca wanted Jacob to get the blessing that Esau should have as kind of the firstborn type thing. So Rebecca gets some goat skin because Esau's really hairy and furry and all that kind of thing. So she puts all this goat skin over Jacob's arms. And Isaac said, I feel, he feels really old and he feels worn out. He can't see properly. So Isaac said, I'm ready, ready, kind of ready to give the blessing now. So Rebecca hears this and she goes, Jacob, come on. I've got the goat skin. I'm going to put it all over your arms. And I've also got some clothes of Esau's. 
So if we put you in the clothes and if we put you in the goat skin, then it'll all be good and you can get the blessing then instead of Esau, you know, because they're my favorites. So. so anyway, so you've got Jacob in a tent or something and he's gone to get the blessing from Isaac. And if you just go to Genesis 27, 18, he says, this is the moment where they're meeting I'm not being funny, but I would not be able to hold it together. There is no way I could keep up this kind of lie, this deceit that he's produced. He went to his father and said, my father, yes, my son, he answered. And Isaac said, who is it? So he's kind of a bit, bit wary. And then uh, verse 20, uh, Isaac asked, how were you able to find the food, because he asked for some, he says, bring me some food uh, before I bless you and I'll eat it. So Isaac says, how were you able to get this food so quickly, my son? Now, I'm not being funny. Jacob has really got some, some nerve here because he brings the Lord into it. He said, the Lord your God gave me success, he replied. So he's saying, he's bringing God into it. God's helped me find it. That takes guts. That really takes guts. Um, but not the right kind of guts that God's after. Um, and then in 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you. So Isaac's a little bit suspicious. He's not kind of thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure that you are my son. To know whether you really are my son, Esau or not. Um, so he's definitely not feeling it at the moment. Isaac's got um, some reservations. And then if we go to 24, he says, are you really my son, Esau, he asked. And Jacob says, I am, he replied. So he's been questioned quite a few times. I would have done a runner. I would have, oh, there's no way I could have kept it up. I'd just go all red if I try, even tried to lie. Um, and 27, um, he says, so Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of the clothes. Rebecca, she was clever. She was ahead of the game. She had some clothes. And when Isaac smelt the, smelt the, the, the smell of Esau's clothes, then he went on and blessed him. So this is, this is Jacob really, really deceiving his dad to get the blessing. So he was, he was kind of denying who he was in order to get the blessing. You know, and it's, it's so strange how sometimes we... We know what we want, but when we get it in the wrong way, it doesn't feel quite right. And this is what happened here. And then when he came out, Esau found out. And if you read on, Esau says, I'm going to kill him. I am going to kill him. Rebecca says, you need to run as fast as you can. Just run. So he goes running. Um, and then he goes to live with his uncle Laban for a number of years. And, and then he meets Leah and Rachel. But... What I wanted to kind of identify here was he literally denied himself to get a blessing from God. He, he wasn't confident with who he was. If you imagine uh, kind of a young, uh, a young person today, when they're at school, I've been there at school, and you're in a line at PE, we've all been there, we've all been there, and you're thinking, oh, they're not going to pick me. Uh, and then the teacher says, okay, uh, does anybody want to go first? And I'm there, yep, I'll go first, I'll go first. But not because I'm confident. No, not because I think I've got it or anything like that. It's because if I think I can do it, then I can win the confidence of other people. 
and that will boost my self-esteem. I'll think, yes, I'm ahead of the game. I've got it all together. But it's not because I'm confident. It's because I've got that confidence from other people. And that's the wrong way to get confidence. It's got to be inside you. It's not going to come from impressing other people. And to live that life that Jacob has lived in trying to be his brother and get that blessing, it's exhausting, absolutely exhausting. And I really relate to Jacob and the complexities that went on in his mind. And it brings me to something that, oh, I don't know. I will tell you, if I start to cry and I become a little puddle on the floor, you know, just, just, just stay where you are. It's all good. We'll get there. So I went through a bit of a tug of war, I think, with God myself. Uh, and it started um, at work. And I supported, I can't go into it too much because obviously confidentiality, but I supported uh, a mom who lost a child quite suddenly. Uh, and I had to get involved really quickly. And so that relationship has to be established uh, really quickly and sensitively as well. And, and I probably spent five hours with her every day for about a fortnight because she had no family, no friends. And so that relationship was really quite strong very quickly. And she didn't display kind of what um, I'd seen before. Her bereavement was really unique in the sense that I was used to parents getting quite angry and I'd seen this, um, you know, in all the other bereavements. And I know people do it all differently, and, and that's fine. But I learned this very hard, the very hard way. And this mum, she didn't get angry at all. And she kept saying things like, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. I'm really happy to have had this experience. And of course, you know, you have to be professional and, and keep a very straight face and empathise and things like that. But deep inside of me, I was really struggling to kind of empathise and, you know, understand it all. And um, there's a thing called counter-transference, which I'd never heard of before. It's, it's a bit bizarre. But because she wasn't angry, um, I've learned about it since, because she didn't display any anger, and I got angry on her behalf, but I didn't realise at the time what was going on. And this anger um, got out of control in a sense that it got more and more and more. And it, it almost got to a stage where I felt at rage with myself. Um, and I didn't have a clue what was going on. Um, work was like a refuge. I knew what version of Haley I had to be at work. And that was kind of a refuge. So I kind of liked being at work. So I spent more time than I needed to at work that was necessary. Because being at home, home is like your safe place, isn't it? So you express yourself um, honestly within your four walls. But I found that really hard. Um, uh, I struggled um, being a mom and being a wife. I used to kind of just walk out the house, uh, any confrontation or any, I couldn't even have a conversation at some points. I'd just walk out the house and I'd go and sit in the car on Tesco car park for hours and hours, just staring into space, wondering about this anger and what to do with it. Uh, and in the meantime, I went to some counselling, I get free counselling at work, so I went to counselling and um, I was so angry with God. I wasn't coming to church, I'd stopped coming to church for a bit as well which obviously doesn't help the situation. But I stopped coming, and I went to a counsellor, and I sat down, and I said to her, I'm, she said, okay, what would you like to talk about? And I said, I'm really angry with God, and I just don't know what to do with it. I don't know. I feel like I need to thump somebody, but obviously I don't want to. Um, 
So I don't know how to get rid of this anger. And, and, and church, I just can't go to church. I just don't want anything to do with God at all. I've got, I have got faith, but it's the size of a mustard seed. And then she said to me, she said, I'm part-time counsellor and part-time minister. And I was like, this is not going to work because I wanted to, I wanted to kind of had a, have a kind of a dig at God. I wanted to have a moment. Do you know what I mean? I, it wasn't going to work. So anyway, she said to me, after I'd had a long chat, she said, I'll see you next week then. I said, no, I don't think so. It's, it's not going to work because I didn't want to disrespect her faith or anything like that or offend her in any way. And then, um, in between all this, um, I got a sort of a doubt planted in my mind. I think it was something on the internet that I saw. That nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jesus said he was God's son. He's the, he says he's the Messiah and he says he's the saviour. Uh, but nowhere could I find at the time that it said that Jesus said he was God's son. So I got really hooked up on this. Uh, and I think the devil played a part in it because he was making me overthink about it because Jesus does say, he says he's the Messiah and he says he's the saviour. Um, so obviously I feel really immature now talking about it, but you know. Um, so anyway, I had this massive doubt. I was thinking, right, God, I've got one on you now. Your son never said he was your son. So, you know, I'm, I can't carry on anymore. And, and also, at the same time, I felt like God was calling me to some gifts as well. Before all this had happened, I felt like God had calling me to some, some new kind of gifts. And I was like, what he was saying to me, I was like, you must be joking. You have got the wrong person. Move along, because there is no way I'm ever going to do that. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of it was to do with confidence. So, yeah, I was full of this anger. I got this massive doubt, and I got God calling me to this new thing, and I was like, there's no way this is going to happen. But I couldn't get rid of the anger at all. It was just infuriating. Couldn't, I couldn't really hold a conversation outside work. So anyway, my boss said, oh, I think you should go to another counsellor, the work one, a different one, um, to just see how you get on. And I sat down uh, to this new counsellor, and... And I said, I'm really, really angry about God and the God thing. I've got faith, but it's really hard and I'm struggling everywhere I go. I cannot have a conversation. What am I going to do? And um, she turned to me and she said, well, I don't know how inappropriate this is or how unprofessional. And you can stop me if you like, but I'm actually a Christian. And I was like, I've been to one Christian counsellor, and then I go to another one. You know, you can never find a Christian usually. And then I go and find two, and I'm like, oh, is this really going to work? But actually, she was really good, and she went through all the whole basics and things. And she, she, I got some other stuff going on as well, which was a bit deep. And she said, do you ever hear voices? And I was thinking, she's trying to check just how kind of nutty I might be. But anyway, she said... Um, I said to her, well, I have heard a voice from God. So in the meantime, um, this doubt got really big. I was going to work one day, and I was literally got the steering wheel so tight in my hand, I could have literally ripped it off the car. Um, I said, why didn't your son say he was your son? Come, just tell me why. And uh, in the past, I have come home from work and said, oh, Stephen, I've heard God's voice today. I bought somebody a sandwich. God said I should buy somebody a sandwich because that's, that's what you do, isn't it? That's what Jesus would do. Um, and just little things like that, pay for somebody's petrol and say, God bless you and all that. So I felt like I'd heard God's voice, but 
the voice I heard in the car was definitely not the voice I heard at the petrol station and at the sandwich shop. Um, so I think that was like my conscience. But this voice in the car, when I was gripping onto the steering wheel, was shouting at God, why didn't your son say it was your son? God literally said to me really calmly, he said, he didn't need to. And that was it. And I was, and I literally, I didn't want to hear it, so I literally do believe it was God's voice, because there's no way that I wanted to hear that. Me and God were so far apart, there was no way I wanted anything to do. I didn't want to go back um, to, to anything to do with God, really. And when he said that, I was like, wow, that's true. He never needed to. He never needed to say who he was, because people knew who he was. He was bold, but yet he was sensitive. You know, he was... He was so strong and courageous. He never needed to. He did the miracles and people knew who he was because he was confident in himself. He was confident in his father. So there's no way, you know, Jesus needed to say. So that, that doubt lifted and I felt so bad. I was like, wow, that is so true. And then the tears started to, to fall. And when the counsellor said to me, um, I said, no, I haven't heard any voices like that, but... Um, I've heard God's voice, and she said, okay, and, and, and we went on about it, and I said, God said that, G, you know, Jesus never needed to. The tears just run, rolled down her face, and I was like, it's meant to be me crying, not you. <laughs> anyway, so that, that doubt lifted, and then I was so full of anger and rage, and I literally didn't feel like I could be at home, because if I did, I felt like I was going to do something that I might regret um, forever, maybe. I was literally uh, fuming. Uh, me and Stephen weren't having um, many conversations of light-hearted niceness. It was arguing, and, and, and the anger actually turned to bitterness. And bitterness, uh, I would imagine, for me anyway, it was a silent anger. And if you meet somebody who's bitter, they don't tend to make eye contact because they literally avoid eye contact, and they're so bitter. And it's a bit like, you know, the boy in Jungle Book, um, is it Mowgli? And he's asleep, and the snake comes and wraps himself around um, Mowgli's lungs, and he, he literally stifles him or tries to. That's a bit like bitterness. That's what bitterness will do to your faith. Uh, and I found love really hard. Um, if, if anybody hugs me outside the family and they told me they love me, I'd literally, I'd literally think in my head, yeah, right, they're just ticking a box. And that's what the devil will do. The devil will make you question other people's motives, and he will make you question other people's intentions, where God, God wants you to focus on who you are in him, not in what anybody else is doing. Um, uh, the kids go to a swimming class, and they, they, they practice for the competitions, and the other Sunday, there was this girl competing against a boy, and the girl, I'm not joking, she was going so fast down the lane, she just looked ahead, obviously when her head was out of the water, and she was going straight for it. But the boy next to her, he kept looking where she was. And I was thinking that is like Hebrews, when, when it says, fix your eyes on Jesus and the goal set before you. You know, there's no need to look what somebody else is doing and feel intimidated. But that's exactly what was happening, and that's what the devil will do so much. He will steal your confidence. He can't get your calling, but he'll steal your confidence. So anyway... This anger slowly lifted away, um, but it took a lot of time. It took a lot of time, and um, 
As it was lifting, I literally had to say to myself, who am I? I know my name's Hayley Ball, and that's all grand and everything, but who am I? I've been so consumed with anger for, for, for so many months. Who, who, who am I? What makes us who we are? Um, and I said to Stephen the other day, who are you? And he said, I'm Stephen Ball. And I said, I oh, know you're Stephen Ball, but there's a tree surgeon called Stephen Ball, and there's, there's about four other Stephen Balls. I said, so... Are you your name? Because what's, what's your name? Who are you? Are you who you was yesterday? Are you what your child has made you? Are you your experiences? Or are you what God's calling you to be? Or, or are you who you are right now? And he says, I am in my present. And I can take every opportunity to be who I am now. Right now is who I am. I'm not my yesterday. I'm not quite my tomorrow, but I'm here now. And, and, and I found that I'm a bit of an intense person. I do ask intense questions. But anyway, this, this anger left me slowly, but I was literally like, who am I? I've been so angry for so long. And it brought me, it brought me to a verse, a verse where in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, um, where when this anger left me, it showed me a lot of myself that I didn't like. It showed me a lot of, of things within me that needed to change. Why, why do I respond like I do? Why do I try and manipulate situations to be about me? And, and why do I need to get confidence from other people's opinions? I've got Christ within me. Why do I need to seek that? Why do I need to seek other things that don't really matter to God? So who am I? And, and, and this verse really sums it up. It says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is my perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And, and I felt really weak. I felt really low. I had such dark points in my life over these few months. And, but, but when I read this, I was like, actually... If I acknowledge my weaknesses, if I make myself vulnerable to God and to all the people that love me, then actually it's, it's these weaknesses, if I can acknowledge them, if I can do that ugly love, how much don't we do that ugly love? Oh, I can't tell somebody that. What will they think? You know. But God wants you to do that ugly love and he wants you to do it with him. Uh, you know, People will love you if they love you and, and God is definitely there. We've just got to acknowledge those things that we struggle with. Um, like Jacob did in the silence. What was going through his mind all night? He, he wanted that blessing and he needed it. And he wanted to see that he was worth it because he was willing to be who he was. Not who Esau was or somebody else that he might want to be. He was willing to be who he was. Um, and then I was thinking, you know, since that anger's left me uh, and, and all that business and I went to the counselling and all that, it, it did leave me, but it wasn't like a, a switch, you know? It wasn't like somebody flicked a switch and it just left me. It's left me slowly um, and that's okay. But sometimes, sometimes uh, I have a, a way of thinking that I'm entitled to feel like that and that's, that's so bad. And, and then sometimes... I wake up in factory setting. Does anybody wake up in factory setting in the morning? And you're like, well, yesterday I dealt with that 
And I put that in a box and I sealed it and I gave it to God. And this morning I've woke up and I'm still overthinking something that I did or said. And I've woke up in a factory setting and, and, and it's like my default mode and, and I can't really help it. But that's where God's grace comes in so much and it's our weaknesses. And, you know, it's okay to be in your factory setting. It's your weaknesses, it's your humanity. And, and, and a verse that sums it up, which... This, this is really good. I am closing now. I don't know how long I've been talking, but I'm closing now. Okay. Exodus 3. This is Moses, many years after Jacob. Um, and Moses is going to Pharaoh to release the Israelites. He's going to set them free. Um, but Moses is lacking in confidence. Major style. Major style. If you read on from this, he says he stumbles with his words and all that kind of thing. So he's lacking in confidence. But Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? If you go on to the next one, please, Tom. Um, God said to Moses, I am who I am. The confidence there is, you know, God is who he is. He is the I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And the next verse. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from my generation to generation. But you see here, it says the God of Jacob. But if we go back to the other verse, in the struggle, in the fight, in the silence where he meets himself, if we go back to verse, um, the end verse, which is 29, um, Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him. Sorry, I've got the wrong verse. The one before that, um, God gives him a new name. So it's 27. Just the verse before. Sorry, the verse before that. Sorry. 28. 28. Then the man man said, your name will no longer be Jacob because he's fought this fight with, with God and man. But it's going to be called Israel. And I was thinking in the Bible, um, Jacob will be called Israel now because Israel means triumphant with God and that you've struggled with God. So this is his new name. This is his new person, his new identity, um, Israel. But in the Bible, if you read it, Jacob is mentioned as Jacob and he's mentioned also as Israel. He's not mentioned just as Israel as, as God has renamed him. But he's mentioned him as Jacob as well. So this new name he's given him, this new identity, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, but that's okay because he's referred to as Jacob. So that Jacob within us, that Jacob that we struggle, when we wake up in the morning in factory setting, it's okay because Jacob did it too. And acknowledging our weaknesses, like it says in Corinthians, is all about being more like Jesus. It's, it's, it's all about that word sanctification, So every day we become more like Jesus if we're just willing to do that ugly stuff with him, the stuff that's so painful. But yeah, I just found that amazing that Jacob is called Israel as his new identity after he's fought the fight and God has blessed him. But also he's called Jacob because that's his humanity and God knows that because he knows we're complex creatures. But he gives us grace 
every single day.